how do we get the digital out there and connected with the physical in a way that's aesthetically pleasing, that just looks right, that makes good use of space and that makes good use of resources. And I feel that not many have mastered it. Welcome to Smart in the City, the Bobble podcast. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu, and really at Bobble, we aim to connect the players in the smart city industry with high quality information and ideas through our platform and services. This podcast is really an extension of this goal and mission to drive the change for a better urban life. And first, a quick announcement from Bobble. As a company dedicated to drive the change for a better future, we at Babel express our support for all victims of the Ukrainian-Russian war. To all our listeners, if you're wondering how to best support Ukraine from a foreign country, please visit the following website, supportukrainenow.org. And now on to our episode. And today I am speaking to yet another very special guest with uh, quite a unique perspective as well, as she looks at smart city topics through an academic lens. And uh, today we'll explore a little bit about what municipalities, industries, and academia require from smart city professionals. And I'm sure we'll dig into a bit more as well. So with that being said, I would like to introduce all of you listeners to Iris Bell, uh, the Professor and Dean of Studies at the International Master Program for Smart City Solutions at the Stuttgart University of Technology. Welcome onto the podcast. Hi, Tamlin. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So um, just to get a little uh, warmed up here, I wanted to ask you, so what's your favorite topic to teach? My favorite topic to teach, that's, that's a hard one. <laughs> so my favorite in teaching is actually the students. Uh, I take great pleasure from working with uh, individuals who already have a career in cities, in technology, in architecture, who are curious and want to reach uh, the next level. So our course is, of course, it's very structured, but it's also a journey that we undertake uh, together that we undertake uh, with lecturers who come from the industry, who come from cities, who bring topics to the table, new each uh, semester, who throw it at us, um, and we explore with our students. So I think uh, in a nutshell, because we do have a curriculum, my uh, favorite is the general one. It's really the global view on uh, climate challenges, demographic change, um, economic challenges, migration, because this is something that ties together our student body, who's very international. We're an English-speaking master's program, uh, and everybody has a say, everybody has experience, and it just shows everybody why we are doing this smart city exercise and what. Uh, humanity and society at large can gain from it. 
Yeah, some some interesting and very complex topics that are ever changing also, I'm sure. So yeah, very interesting. And uh, so with through all your travels, so through your experience, as well as through your research and everything, um, can you name like uh, one of the most unique case studies that you've ever um, seen or taught before? This is very hard. This is actually <laughs> the most disappointing part to most people who invite uh, smart city experts. And I think it's it's not just the case with me as speakers, because they um, expect to be shown uh, a piece of city that is super futuristic, where everything is there at your fingertips, at a push of a button. And then the... Um, the unexpected revelation is it's highly complex. Um, smart city projects start not by putting in hardware and software and putting it to use. They start by training people. Mm -hmm. They start by um, finding um, goals and aims that you want to achieve in a development that are um, that future inhabitants, future users would be willing to pay money because, yes, they say, yes, this really provides a value to me. And until the um, solution, the app, the, the feature is put in, it takes a really long time for it to be visible. Now, there's projects that have managed to um, implement these quick win projects so there are some cool projects, like there's the um, Franklin Barracks, which have uh, very nice um, test pilot buildings where they have uh, an indoor climate control uh, system where citizens actually refused to have the controls automated. They said, no, we need to be able to regulate indoor temperature to turn down the heating, which is insane because we have all the technology who uh, uh, to steer uh, towards uh, a near to uh, optimal uh, indoor climate. Yeah. But it is in the psychology of the resident that they say, my home is my castle. I'm the king or the queen and I, I get to rule mm -hmm. the temperature. So, yeah. so in that project, the beauty was um, that the engineers decided to go for a gamification approach and they said, okay, we cannot obviously for uh, data protection reasons uh, make it known who is heating the most efficient way and saves most energy, but we can anonymize it. We can relay um, the average of energy consumed, the highs and the lows to each resident and then um, trigger their ambition to, to become better in that game. So I think this is a very, uh, a very interesting application. And that kind of shows us how, um, how we can put these smart city solutions on offer, not mandate them for everyone, but really put them on offer as an opportunity to use. 
Yeah, and I think it's important that the most, as you pointed out, the most unique case studies or the most interesting ones to study are often the ones maybe that don't have the most advanced technologies that are plug and play, everything goes, um, but are really the ones that, you know, the case studies where you look at and they really uh, co-created something together with the citizens or they uh, took a different approach to how they address citizen participation and citizen engagement or things along these lines such as gamification, for instance. So, um, yeah, I like that example a lot. And, uh, yeah, interesting one to look at. Um, so if I'm allowed a second example. Yeah, uh, yes, please. Quite from the other end. So, uh, so this was pre-corona. Um, I've been visiting the Swiss uh, city of Sion. In German, it's Sitten. So it's in the uh, in French-speaking part of mm -hmm. Switzerland and they have an autonomous shuttle bus or they were running it back then two years ago. I'm not sure how far that project has advanced. So this is, of course, super high tech. It's like this small vehicle. It's it's glassed all around. You sit there. It only has, I think, like eight seats. You you really see the tech in there, like all the sensors are exposed. It's not a um, a mass production ready vehicle yet. And there was one conductor who was there at the time. Uh, I took it with my friend and he was explaining us everything. And he was also explaining that he actually wouldn't need to be there. And there are sensors at every traffic light. So this is quite the opposite. So this is a, a smart city solution, an autonomous shuttle, which, of course, uh, dramatically increases the frequency of rides that you can take through the city. but. Um, For me, it was it was probably the uh, most techy smart city experience that stuck because you're literally as a rider, you become part of of that experiment that shows you how the future is developed. So it's it's something quite different. It doesn't it works as it's intended. You can see that the uh, safety level is probably not there or the trust is not there. Uh, but that was also something very special on a, on an, on a, just on an experience level. And I think these are really the two poles that are very important now. If we go for smart city development that we have implemented in the cities, some of these projects where it becomes really visible, where the ambition becomes visible, also the, the different levels of, uh, of difficulty become visible and then we have some low-key applications that already work in in your home and you have a choice to use them but they don't bother you if you don't want to yeah that's another great example it also reminds me we have a use case i'm pretty sure on the on on the Babel platform that talks about an autonomous shuttle bus that was implemented in Tallinn in Estonia um and uh i think it connected the airport with the city center and uh i'm also quite i think it was a fairly recent project so i'm also quite interested um to learn more about that as well to see how these different autonomous um, vehicles progress in the future. Um, yeah, but great example. And yeah, moving on from there, uh, do you have, um, so you've, you've taught uh, many students um, looking into this field. Um, so 
what would you say for for those looking at, you know, maybe expanding into this field? What do you think are the top qualities of a smart city professional? And what does really like smart city professional even mean? That's a good question. That's a good question. So let's let's start. Let's maybe start with what it means, because there is a, a reason why the subject smart city solutions exists at the University of Technology in Stuttgart. So it, it, the story goes back to my uh, predecessor, that's uh, Professor Roland Dieterle, who's an architect and urban designer himself, who's been practicing many years. He retired last year, so that's why I uh, got to take over. And uh, in his practice, he had a lot of um, quite reasonable ideas in urban planning like that heating should be um, considered together with your urban morphology like how you um, shape your your buildings uh, in a way that you minimize the envelope that you have good solar intakes in in a way uh, of, of thinking about a car-free uh, district like how wide your roads need to be so you can put in a good good amount of, of residential density and other functions. And he always felt frustrated when he was talking to developers and talking to the city because they would not quite buy into it. And he said, where are these experts that can make the case? So he understood there need to be um there needs to be a a crucial percentage of experts who are on the same level, who really press for um, thinking across the disciplines and considering um, a couple of aspects together to plan for um, more sustainable and more resilient uh, neighborhoods that are nicer to live in. And he felt that if nobody else is going to do it, he's going to create this curriculum, which helps... um, So he was looking uh, for students who have already um, one year or more of of professional work experience. So ideally, they came to a point where they felt the same frustration that he felt at the time (laughs) when he had the idea that let's let's just educate the people in in this way and, and create a good momentum of professionals. So, so the aim was really to have professionals who can uh, look into different silos, who are not afraid to expose themselves to the uh, thinking, uh, the methodologies, and also the, the performance indicators of the related disciplines, and then say, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's go for a, for a second and a third round of planning, and let's optimize the planning so so we reach a better balance yeah that's that's a great example um a great story that you told to explain also to flip it a bit um because our audience is largely already professionals related or in the field so what should they take away from this perspective um that you bring should they uh, yeah, basically, what should they um, learn from also the newcomers coming in, etc.? Well, it's an it's a, the smart city field is a field that is evolving very fast. Like when I came back to Germany three years ago, everybody was very interested to hear about what's happening in Asia. 
what's happening in Singapore, what's happening in Shanghai. I said, well, what's happening in Singapore, I can't tell you because that's already three years uh, past <laughs> that I've, I've left Singapore. So they've, they've moved on. What was happening in China at that time was not so much um, within the domain of architects. In the domain of urban planners, yes, but they were busy comparing cities, coming up with all these indices, coming up with um, standards for smart city from a, from an urban competition uh, point of view to give uh, mayors a tool to evaluate how uh, digital ready their cities were, how digitally advanced they were, uh, because you always need to compare, at least in China with your peers to know uh, how well uh, you are doing. So what I would give, the advice I would give uh, professionals who are already working in the field is really to watch very closely, to watch um, the, the pilot projects that are being mm -hmm. undertaken uh, nowadays. If they're in Germany, of course, to watch the model project Smart Cities, like the Modellprojekte Smart City, which have received um, funding over the past. I think now the longest running projects are, are in their third year. So this is, this is definitely exciting. There's also this uh, coordination and transfer um, organization that's now uh, coming into operation, which is an, an exciting body to watch. Um, also talk to the industry because the industry is doing a lot with regards to uh, standards, but also the uh, software and IT industry. They're doing a lot concerning components, concerning software, hardware, and uh, these experiences or these products are now slowly implemented so it, it pays uh, to watch these it also pays to watch um, initiatives that are not done by municipalities that are um, undertaken by private developers who have a different leeway so I think for me this is most interesting and that's also why uh, you mentioned I'm, I'm at the University of, of uh, Technology here in Stuttgart I just um, uh left uh, my my previous contract which was uh, with a consulting company called Dresen Sommer i still keep contact because there um uh, my team started to uh, develop uh, a platform that's called the smart city demonstrator and the idea is not new so it, these kind of platforms are popping up everywhere but for us being consultants at the time it was very necessary to understand what kind of solutions the industry players are putting out so we could incorporate it into our consulting for municipalities, for uh, private real estate developers, but also for um, operators of uh, larger uh, real estate portfolios. So uh, the ambition still is, and, and what we've been doing there for the past uh, one and a half years, is to build this ecosystem that will be in constant dialogue about the upcoming needs so the um, providers of software and hardware can react, but also about the opportunities that the software and hardware industry is offering. So this is, and this is something... If you ask me 
about my my um, advice to to people in the space is get get in your networks, start to discuss, uh, follow follow the trends, follow what's happening, and also put in put in your needs. So there's a lot a lot going on in that space, and and you're a you're a, an uh, an example par excellence like Babel is is also doing the same thing on a on a much higher level. Yeah, absolutely. And we see this really as being one of the biggest challenges is that that for one, everything is so fast evolving um, that, for example, in the government, they really have to stay up to date and consult the market on many things. But we see this massive divide between the public and private sector. Um, and that's one of these bridges that we we try to build, um, whether it be facilitating market consultations mm -hmm. or through our platform and other services. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of the biggest challenges that we definitely see in the market today. Um, and I expect it to continue being a challenge um, <laughs> in the future as well. Um, so I guess also to play devil's advocate a bit. So because this is such a fast evolving topic, how much can we really teach, right? And how much can they do students just have to go out there and practice and stay up to date? Um, do you do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I do, because this is actually a major task of my every day is I, I constantly uh, like I do not restructure the curriculum in a sense that we invent new subjects, but I constantly change the reading list because mm -hmm. it updates so fast. But then there's also very classical texts like I, I very much like um, the Chicago School of Sociology you know, like your Parks and Burgess who wrote mm. in, in 1927 a book on the city where they discussed in different chapters, you know, how does information get to citizens? What's the ideal uh, commute? Like, how do we deal with, uh, with ecology and plants in mm. the city? So those are topics that are, uh, are ever occupying us. They don't go away. So there are these texts that are, are timeless in, in, in the ideas they bring forward. And then there are, of course, very new texts as to, uh, you know, how should we do stuff? Um, how, how do we organize uh, complex um, constellations of stakeholders to uh, even speak their minds? So what we do here, what, what we do offer in the curriculum is uh, the case study. So for the past um, one and a half semesters, we've been lucky to work with the city of Ulm, who mm -hmm. is uh, among the first cohort to receive funding for a model project, Smart City, who've just completed their uh, strategy, uh, their two-year strategy phase last December. So um, our students have in parallel and in close contact with the um, employees of the Digital Agenda in Ulm uh, put forward their propositions. And it's interesting because I said we're an international uh, program. So our students come from all over the world. This year, we don't have a single German student. So nobody's native German. So all they get from Ulm is through their perspective. So they're looking at a city from a very different vantage point. And what they get is mainly through uh, translation programs. Uh, if they are looking at the material that has been produced in Ulm, and they also, for them, it was a bit curious, you know, to hear about this whole series of, of stakeholder involvement 
of the workshops, of uh, strategizing together with uh, stakeholders from the public. So they thought it's it's very curious, but now they got into the process and I, I feel they're quite identified with the process themselves. But each of them have different different perspectives. Like some come from countries where there's having CCTV cameras at every street corner is just, you know, it's it's a matter of good hygiene. <laughs> it's 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 uh, nothing that's that's frowned upon or or looked at as uh, surveillance and suppression. Yeah, the different cultural perspectives is super interesting when we when we look at these topics. Uh, we also come from a really vast, uh, a wide variety of different backgrounds here, um, and so that's always interesting. Not just in work, but also in you know uh, social encounters and everything. Seeing mm. how really observing these different um, ways in which we view life, uh, but I think that's really important when we're looking at such complex topics to really look at it from a diverse perspective, not just have this tunnel view of where you were raised from. Uh, yeah. So before I roll into our last segment and close out here, um, I just wanted to see if there's another topic or anything that you feel like we should really touch on that's very pressing or um, anything that might be interesting or fun to talk about for you. Well, my, of course, the topic that's dearest to my heart right now is uh, how do we train the future mm -hmm. generations of smart city professionals? So I think you've, with your question, thank you for that. We, we've got that covered pretty well. The other topic that's dear to my heart is, of course, our small platform, like the Smart City um, Demonstrator, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is, um, of course, a concern to Babel as well. Like, how do we get players of the industry to talk to each other? How do we evolve in this whole ecosystem? And in a smart city, it is, um, it is a task that can only be um, furthered in partnership. So there's no single one player who can equip a city. Um, another big pressing topic, of course, if we talk about that, is the one of standards. Uh, it's also um, the digitalization in itself, which is the uh, very um, technological opportunity why we're even speaking here. So this is, this is a big uh, topic. And then maybe coming full circle in the beginning, I said I'm, I'm, I'm an architect by training. I used to work as a designer for both uh, buildings, for uh, interiors, exhibitions, but also urban design. So for me, also being here at the Department of Architecture and, and Design, one of the big questions is how to make all these ideas that we have about Smart City, how to, how, how to make them feel good and feel right. And mm. for me, style is a big, a big key to that. So I'm also talking about I'm talking about the digital, like about the front end and the back end. If you think about the users, so we have these horrible statistics of uh, public monies being spent on digitizing processes, like getting your car registered. Now that is something that's very far away from architecture and urban planning, but there's these shocking statistics that 
municipalities spend um, up in the 100,000s of euro, and then they've got four cars registered on that system uh, because it's just so complicated. It drives people insane, and then in the end they say, okay, I just go there in person to get it yeah. done. I'm, I'm fed up like uploading things. So I think this is one of the big tasks. And then coming back to my profession, coming back to architecture. So smart city for me is more than just digitizing processes. It's the cyber physical. So we need, if, if we, or let's put it differently. We know we've done a good job at the task. When the smart city becomes visible and it's designed in such a way that the smart city in Stuttgart looks different from the one in Mannheim, from the one in Ulm, from the one in Berlin, because of its uh, expression in design. And that's the big challenge. How do we get the digital out there and connected with the physical in a way that's aesthetically pleasing, that just looks right? that makes good use of space and that makes good use of resources. And I feel that not many have mastered it. Yeah. And for me, then a whole new discussion that we have not touched is the one uh, on the metaverse or whatever you want to call it. It <laughs> was called the cyber physical uh, before. So it's the question of how we move in between these two spaces. And for me, the, the, design part is really key that's why i'm for my um research part i'm quite obsessed with residential neighborhoods because i think those are the most complex forms of 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 co-living of co-existing of co-investing where you have to draw boundaries um that delineate your private sphere, your family sphere, your, you know, closest neighborhood, and then you're gradually opening to the outside world. And for me, this is super interesting. And here I see a great opportunity of, of uh, harnessing the digital and smart cities. We're not quite there yet. It came out very promising, you know, with the um, co-working, the co-living Uh, it kind of took a few steps back uh, with COVID. So now I, I think now that we're through the, the pandemics, we can we can tackle it again. Yeah. And basically the main goal is we want people to feel good about where they are. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, the the whole the whole idea is that uh, the design of these different places can make people happy. Right. Or they can change someone's mood completely and shift their entire way of uh, how they're thinking about the day and how they think about where they live and work and do these things. So, uh, yeah, I really like that perspective, the design perspective as well. So, yeah, thanks so much for sharing. Um, and now uh, rolling right into a segment of ours, um, a new segment uh, called Shout Out. Shout Out. Mention a person, an organization, or a city you think deserves more recognition in the field. So is there someone that comes to mind that, you know, really inspires you? Of course, instantly. So it's, it's a gentleman. His name is Damien. 
Damien Wagner Herold. I'm sure many people know him. So he has been um, in his last uh, job consulting uh, the city of Ulm, where he lives on smart cities. He comes uh, out of Morgenstadt. He's a business admin guy. And he ha he got really involved in smart city solutions uh, with the case study of Ulm. So he's also the one who's behind like pushing us to, to attend the next uh, Morgenstadt event. He has spoken uh, on our behalf at the Barcelona Smart City Expo. He is right now uh, taking forward uh, the nexus between um, energy and mobility at a venture which is called um, IE2S. It's hard to remember, <laughs> but that's, that's his, uh, his new affiliation. And uh, I think he's great for the fact that he cares so much. So he's everywhere in the industry. Um, he also, uh, in Ulm, where he's a resident, uh, is active as a, as a citizen of Ulm, which I think is, is very important that um, if you are in the, in the field, uh, that you motiva motivate uh, your local crowd to buy into the smart city idea that you don't only influence on a large scale, but also um, at the place where you are. And he's uh, doing a constantly good job trying to uh, place our students in internships, in master thesis. So he's very involved in smart city solutions and beyond, mainly in the state of Baden-Württemberg. Thank you so much. Uh, good, good inspiration for our listeners, I'm sure. Um, and now it's the question, and I think you've already answered it to some level and some degrees, of course, during our conversation. But in a in a concise way, I suppose, can you answer the question: What is a smart city? What is a smart city? Well, <laughs> <laughs> of course, the textbook definition is easy. A mm -hmm. uh, smart city is, is first and foremost a city that strives towards uh, sustainability and livability. So sustainability in a, in a social, uh, environmental and economic uh, sense, of course, and also in a cultural sense, if you will. And it does so by uh, using the tools that we have uh, that digitalization has uh, given us. But then in the wider sense, for me, a smart city is really a city that um, understands uh, very well what their citizens need, also anticipates trends that can go in both directions, in, in, in bad directions to mitigate them and in, in, in very positive directions to give these stakeholders, whether they come from industry, from academia or from civil society, a voice, a place and also the funding to, to develop further. And then it's also a, a smart city for me is, of course, uh, someone as someone who's smart, they don't only have a plan, but they also verify if they're on mm -hmm. the right track towards that plan. And if that plan, uh, given the changing circumstances, is still desirable to achieve. 
Good point. I love your piece also about um, the anticipation for mitigation. Um, I think that's super important and I haven't heard that little piece yet. Um, We ask every guest this question, so it's always super interesting to hear the variety of perspectives on it. Um, And so with that, then I will just thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, And to all of our listeners, don't forget you can always create a free account on babel-smartcities.eu to find out more about smart city projects, solutions, implementations, and more. So, yeah. Thank you, Tamlin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Iris. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life. As a teacher, do you have a favorite student or do you play favorites? It actually changes every week. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. Yeah.